0: Have you ever found yourself face to face with what I think could perhaps be life's greatest villain? Death. This past year, I have. For the very first time in my life. And I haven't wanted to go on this journey. And perhaps the idea of journeying through the question of death right now is the last thing that you'd like to spend your time doing. I totally understand. And if you want to walk away and get on with something a bit more pleasant, then for the past few months, I'd have joined you. But if you're up for travelling with me for the next 15 minutes or so, I'd love to share something with you that has moved my wishful thinking to a defiant hope and given me a purpose the likes of which I didn't know were available to regular people like me. Today we're going to take a look at a bedtime story, an ancient story and what they have to do with your story and mine. We're out looking for an answer to what we should do when we find ourselves face to face with death. We're going on a bear hunt. We're going to catch a big one. What a beautiful day. We're not scared. Uh oh, a forest, a big dark forest. We can't go over it, we, we can't go under it. Oh no, we've got to go through it. Stumble, trip, stumble, trip, stumble. We can't go over it, we can't go under it, we've got to go through it. It must have been around 11pm, ten-year-old me had been in bed for about four hours now but I hadn't slept a wink. I was crying and snotty and shaking, my heart was racing and my eyes were scrunched up so tight against my pillow. Both my brothers were fast asleep in their own rooms and my parents were downstairs watching TV. Earlier that day, my parents had told us about an old friend who had died. Both my parents were and are incredibly inspiring Jesus followers. And I'd grown up confident that one day, the Jesus that we knew in part now, we'd know fully in heaven. But I wasn't crying about the loss of my parents' friend. I wasn't even empathising with the sadness of my mum and dad. I was panicked by the idea of forever. It just seemed like such a long time. What if I got to heaven and I didn't like it? If the Simpsons were right, then heaven was just a bunch of people in white togas relaxing on clouds. I got bored in the park after about an hour. How would I manage all of eternity in a place like that? And then the more sinister thoughts started. What if my parents were wrong? What if there wasn't a heaven? Even fluffy clouds and harps sounded better than nothing. Forever. What if 60 years really was all I got with my mum and dad? What if one day my brothers would just stop being there? and I couldn't hope for a reunion. Eventually I couldn't keep my crying quiet. My parents heard me and came to comfort me and I'm not sure if they said something to get me to sleep or I was just so exhausted that I couldn't help myself from dozing off. But that was that. We continued to have a conversation about life and heaven and God throughout the rest of my childhood. And my faith started to grow up as I did. But I'll never forget that night. Now you may not have been quite as existential as a 10 year old as I was. But we all have those moments when life gets stripped down to its barest essentials. We lose a loved one. Or we get a phone call from a doctor that tears the floor out from under our feet. We come to a deep, dark forest in our lives and reluctantly conclude, I can't go over it. I can't go under it. I have to go through it. In those moments, two questions line themselves up in front of us but many of us will only ever answer one of them. The first question goes like this. What happens when I die? It's a good question. In fact, if you're sat with someone watching this, answer that question with them. If you're watching this alone, tell me in the comments. I'd find it fascinating to read your responses. I had some quite good answers to the first question, I thought. I was unaware that there might even be a second question waiting behind it. Until a few months ago, my uncle had spent three years on a kidney transplant list, which meant attending dialysis appointments three times a week where a machine would spend a day doing what his failing kidneys no longer could. He managed to get a transplant that his body accepted. And for a period, he was well enough to even attend my wedding. Now I can't tell you how incredibly precious that was to me. But shortly after, Bernie got sick again. It was a shock to our entire family. And before we'd had a moment to process our disappointment, I received a text from my mum saying that Uncle Bernie had died in the night. So, I did what many of us do when we find ourselves at the threshold of the deep, dark forest. I answered the first question, what happens to my Uncle Bernie now? Only this time, my answers couldn't hold the weight that came with the pain of losing family. And I found myself met with question number two, for the very first time, why do you think that happens when you die? I didn't know. Honestly, I I never asked that question before. Have you? I thought Bernie was in heaven, but why did I think that? Because my parents had said so? Because it was generally accepted in popular media when I was growing up? Because I think the Bible says something about it somewhere? And maybe you've been faced with this question Maybe you've been courageous enough to answer it, and like me, felt the ground you'd been standing on begin to crack and fall away. It's a precarious place to be. Maybe question number two is why you walked away from faith or decided not to entertain it in the first place. Maybe it's why you like Jesus, but you're reluctant to arrange your whole life around him. Now I read countless books, papers and articles I listened to debates and scientific presentations. I explored our ancient history and what our culture, other cultures around the world think happen when we die. And more importantly, why they think it. Not out of curiosity, I mean, I had to know. I was plagued by fears about my own mortality, about losing the people that I loved around me. I developed anxiety about health, I was sleeping less. And stress was actually starting to make me physically ill. And do you know what I found on my journey of exploration? No one really knows. No one really knows. I mean, how could they? Death is a one-way trip. Every religion and culture throughout history and across the globe had their answers to what happens when we die. But why they thought that? I couldn't find a good answer. So why did I think what I thought about death? Could I really have any confidence? Was there any way to hold on to hope in the face of death or is the best that you and I could hope for wishful thinking? Is there a purpose beyond us to us being here? As I mentioned earlier, I grew up knowing Jesus, a first century Jew from a small region known as Galilee, now Northern Israel. I love learning about stories and ideas that were held by our most ancient ancestors, the same stories that he grew up with. There were lots of ideas about life after death within first century Judaism. Some believed that our time on earth was all that we had and once we'd spent it, that was it. But many believed that there would be a final moment in history when God would bring everything to a climactic end, raising everyone back to life and ruling as king forever. Unlike other ancient people, Israel believed that there was only one God who created and sustained everything. To them, life had a source, and that source was Israel's God. Now, Jesus of Nazareth stepped onto the pages of history by unveiling the good news that this kingdom of God was coming through him. Ever since our earliest ancestors, humanity had been expecting this figure. Ancient Israel has a long history of writing about and preparing for this king to finally come and rule the world on God's behalf but Jesus surprised his first century audience with what this kingdom would actually look like. While many expected the coming king to overthrow the occupying, oppressive Roman Empire, Jesus' followers were instructed to turn the other cheek and walk the extra mile when Rome came knocking. Jesus didn't offer the kingdom of God just to those who were considered the best and the brightest, but instead, he focused his attention towards sinners An ancient way to describe people operating outside of what God had created them for. Jesus was remarkable. He ate with people no one else saw value in. He elevated the value of women to heights that we're still trying to attain today. He made it crystal clear that good people don't make it to the kingdom of God, but forgiven people do. And then he forgave. He embraced broken and hurting people whenever and wherever he found them. Jesus's message has taken us an unfathomable distance from the ancient world where leaving unwanted babies to die in the wild, feeding people to wild animals and war for war's sake didn't even tickle the conscience of an ancient person. I mean how many ancient carpenters can you and I name and Jesus of Nazareth made Time Magazine's most influential person of all time in 1999, around 2000 years after he was born. Now all this is great, and no doubt that Jesus deserves our respect for the way that he shaped our world. But what does this have to do with helping us answer our big question? What happens when I die? And why do I think that? Jesus was coming to do something more than just establish a kingdom like others before him had done. He was coming to restore the world back to its maker, fully and finally. You see, Jesus didn't think that death was a natural part of life. Jesus believed death was an unintended and heartbreaking consequence of something the ancients called sin. Ancient documents from eyewitnesses have shown that Jesus' followers had been taught that Jesus claimed to be the way to eternal life because he was the only way to God, who made and sustains all life that through him, the sin, that is, us and our world operating outside of the design that God had created us for, which separates all of us from our original purpose, our God, other human beings, would finally be forgiven and taken care of. Jesus had come to restore us back to God by removing sin and the separation it caused. You see, death and separation from God weren't a punishment for sin. They were an unavoidable consequence. In other words, people weren't designed to jump out of a plane without a parachute. If you tell me you're going to do that anyway, then me saying to you that you'll die is a statement of consequence, not punishment. The same was true for sin. When we operate outside of who we were created to be, we create rifts between us and God, between us and our world, between each other, and to some degree, rifts between us and the us we were created to become. And separation from our maker, well, that's death. Jesus perfectly modeled life in unity with God and other people. He taught his first followers how to be people of heaven, living in oneness, not separation, even when it costs. Then he was crushed at the hands of the Roman empire in place of his people, and in place of us. He took the unavoidable consequences of sin, waiting for us, and he died in our place. Jesus showed us the way to life that didn't end, or more accurately, the way to the source of life that didn't end. And when we chose death, he went to the cross, in our place. Not just for Jews of the time, but for you. For me and then and and this is the it this is the answer to our question what happens when we die and why do we think it this is it jesus didn't stay dead he was publicly executed by the greatest executors the world has ever seen and then he was alive again paul a christian killer turned church planter wrote this in a letter we have today to a church in corinth After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. People saw him alive. Paul saw him alive. Jesus' death and resurrection had started a movement of people who spoke of those who had died as simply having fallen asleep. And what happens to people who sleep? They wake up. And all this new hope, all this new confidence in the face of death because of an event that was eminently threatening to those in power. And if untrue, unbelievably easy to disprove. Jesus told us about what God was like, who God liked and what the world ruled through Jesus on behalf of him would look like. He didn't give us lots of imagery or details. Perhaps because, like trying to tell a baby in the womb about life outside of mummy's tummy, we just couldn't comprehend what's coming next. But he did tell us that God had dealt with sin, that no longer did we need to live separate from God or from each other, that we will glimpse in this life what we'll experience fully in the next, a life perfectly united with Jesus and our Heavenly Father for all of time that with Jesus, we can begin participating in building that kingdom, by the way that we live, by the people that we become, right here and right now. And that not even death will stop it. Jesus has dealt with the sin, keeping us from God once and for all. And he's not letting death take you and I, his loved children, away from him. Jesus said that he was coming back and one day all of us will be alive with him when he draws history to a close and heaven and earth are totally restored in one breathtaking space becoming our new home with him and each other for all of eternity and that until that day comes the moment we leave this world we'll find ourselves looking into the smiling face of our king jesus jesus simply described it to a criminal hanging on the cross beside him as paradise That's what you and I can expect, and why we can confidently expect it. Because Jesus showed us a life lived with our maker, then became the only person in history to ever predict and pull off his own death and resurrection. It validated everything he said about our maker and his claim to be the way God was reconciling and restoring his relationship with us by removing sin and separation that kept us from the source of all life. So, what now? A few months after Bernie died, I found myself yesterday at my Auntie Kay's funeral. It hurt just as much as losing my uncle. I spent the day hugging my other family members and weeping, but it was different. My sadness came with hope, not just wishful thinking. I didn't just think that my family would be reunited with Kay one day. I knew why I thought it. I didn't just want to believe that Kay was experiencing more joy than she'd ever known with her King Jesus. I knew why I thought it. And I got to watch person after person share with a full room, not just about their hope, that Kay was with Jesus in his kingdom enjoying everything she was made for, totally restored with her maker. But I got to hear story after story of how her following Jesus through her life here on earth had profoundly impacted all of these people. She'd spent her life sharing Jesus with people who needed the good news, that their God knew their name and wanted a relationship with them, and that he'd gone to huge lengths to make that possible. She'd been becoming and helping others become people on earth who lived in unity with God, learning how he loved and then extending that to others. She became someone who was ready to live in a world where everything was restored to the way God wanted it to be. And she'd lived a life partnering with Jesus in bringing heaven here to earth, knowing one day Jesus would be back to finish the job for all time. What do you think happens when you die? why do you think it you owe it to yourself to ask the second question one event in history one man and one way home to our god our maker the creator and sustainer of all life the question is do you trust jesus enough to follow him through this life and into the next and if not him Please don't wait till you find yourself in the middle of the deep dark forest to wrestle with this question. Don't wait until the end of your life to ask if God has a purpose for it. We all face death and it breaks God's heart. We can't go over it, we can't go under it, but because Jesus led the way we can follow him through it. And. the other side to something better. So are you ready to follow? Jesus will be with you every step of the way and not even death will separate you from him. Thank you so much for spending this time with me and I would really encourage you to join us next week for the final installment on our Bear Hunt series.